0: a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
1: Who are you? Let me just ask you that again. Who are you? An entrepreneur, a creative, a dad, a brother, a soul on fire? Are you an introvert? Do you know that you are the M that I am? A poet, a stranger to yourself, a loner, a goddess, a rock star in your industry, a bozo on the bus just like the rest of us? Are you a seeker? Do you know that you are a spark? Feeling good is the primary intention. The foundation of a good relationship with intentions and goals is keeping in mind that the primary aim of setting and working towards those goals is to feel the way you want to feel. The external things we want to have and do and experience, those are your secondary goals, all of which will get you back to the whole cosmic point experiencing your core desired feelings. station.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to America Meditating Radio. That was Danielle Laporte. Desire is divine and every thought is a prayer. The question is, are we having the thoughts that we really want to pray into reality? Because sometimes those other thoughts come about. Sometimes thoughts in which goes against, you know, our better nature, our better self, our better angel. And I definitely don't want my unangelic thoughts to come true. But as we're looking at the world today, we are observing the manifestation of thoughts, aren't we? If thoughts do come into reality, the question is we are in a reality that has two very polarizing impact. One is the thought of like just having this energy of um, darkness, you know, where people are just really hurting one another and not making each other feel very comfortable or very safe. And then we have a thought that is comforting, it's an awakened thought, it's the thought of light. And we have to wonder, you know, what is it that sometimes makes us seem a little bit really down and out? What is it that makes us do things that create a lot of suffering for the lives of others? And it's a question I ponder, even myself. For example, I will ask myself on occasions if I might have been short, and I really don't get short. I might be twice a year if that much. But when I do do that, I ask myself, what happened? What did you want? What made you throw away your peace for that very small issue? You know, you have to do this just to help you to bring your light back into the world. And until you can find your answers for yourself, how possible is it going to be to even try to find the answer for others so it brings me to an incredible book done by a beautiful friend of mine lisa luckett you see lisa luckett is a social visionary and an activist for kindness and an advocate of gaining wisdom by experiencing life and i mean this literally head-on her mantra is choose courage is the foundation of her social vision reminding us that we are strong we are resilient and we do have a choice in how we Live Our Lives. She's also an entrepreneur, speaker, author, and mother of three young adults. Now, Lisa's story is that she's a 9-11 widow, single mother, and breast cancer survivor. She knows the value of life's struggles and sees the light or silver lining in every situation. She recognizes that life's lessons in grace lie within the struggle. Lisa is also the founder of Cosima, Enlightened Living, a lifestyle brand and social movement. Her new book that we're going to talk about is called The Light in 9-11, Shocked by Kindness and Healed by Love. Today, we're so delighted to welcome my dear friend, Lisa Luckett. Hi, Lisa. Welcome back on air.
2: Oh, hi, Sister Jenna. It has been just such a treat to talk to you today. Thanks so much.
0: Well, there's so much happening with you and the book now. Wow! Congratulations, and it being in all these bookstores. And how has the book changed you?
2: Well, the book, thank you, first of all. Uh, but the the book itself has been an incredible validation of when you literally spend the time to hone your story, to give it to the world, knowing that once it's in writing, it's there forever. So it was a real, a a strong exercise. You're writing a memoir, which is about your life, and most people's lives and memoirs aren't about the happy stuff. They're about the pain and the struggle. And so in order to position that correctly without being harmful in any way, but to be inspiring and enlightening, I'm very grateful for the time and the editors that I had who kept me in that lane.
0: Mm. Now, what was the genesis behind you actually writing the book?
2: So the book is kind of a, bigger picture than just a book. You know, most people who write a book, that's, that can be the end game. I wrote a book. This is an account, my life's accomplishment. And while it is an enormous undertaking for anyone to do it, I'm always amazed by how many books are actually written. Um, it's incredible to me what's out there and how many brilliant minds and great writers there are. But in my case, this particular book is the, is the first of three that will help to explain what I see as our beautiful future, as not only individuals, but as a nation and a global community. So Mm -hmm. this book is like the fifth year, if you will. I I took years four and five out of a 20-year campaign to bring my brand of kindness, Cosmina Enlightened Living, to the world um, because it's just such a big thing to try to explain. And the experience I had, which is what this book is about, this is the memoir that explains the genesis of Cosmina and Mm -hmm. what happened with me in 9-11 that created, which was an incredibly spiritual experience, that has taken me to where I am today.
0: Wow, that's beautiful to hear. Well, you know what? We've had some really nice moments together, and I've been so happy to see your participation with our wonderful friend, Ingrid Vanderbilt of EBW 2020. I I just love to see the growing community expanding and sharing so much about, you know, triumph and and how you overcome challenges and, and what's really needed for us at this time. How were you particularly able to overcome the different aspects of pain and sadness, which has a way of kind of coming into weight, it comes in waves, but how was it for you to overcome the pain and sadness to begin your journey of healing?
2: Best way I can answer that is that because it's my It's a continued was,
0: process, right?
2: It's a continued process, exactly. Yes. It's trusting the process. It's knowing that during that those dark moments in that place that dark night of the soul that you think will be there forever, that you will never see the light again, to trust that you will. And as you get older and as you, you know, learn your practices, your meditation, your yoga, your movement, whatever it is that you do that, that grounds you in your body, that connects you to your higher self and the higher power, that to just let go and trust that, that you will be taken down the path you need to be taken bound and that it's teaching you in every moment and you know in my case I feel like I've studied the psychology of of everything for so long that's what I did after 9-11 is I the more within days I vowed that I would not let Teddy and all the others die in vain that I would make something come from this as my life's mission because otherwise the terrorists would win and I'm a warrior. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely unacceptable to me. What I didn't realize is I was setting the greatest intention of my life. Wow. So in order to figure it out, I had to get on the analyst's couch because I had had 40 very dysfunctional years and families that, that didn't mean to and people that didn't mean to do it, you know, incorrectly. But that you know, the outcome was by the time Teddy died, I was wound up so tightly that – The analogy I give is that I was like a bowstring pulled back as far as it could go. So on the morning of 9-11, I let go and I sailed literally all the way over to a different place. And Mm -hmm. that's where I found myself. So I had a very different experience of 9-11 probably than anyone I can think of or know Mm -hmm. because I'd been prepared for it. So I'd been prepared by Teddy walking down in the first bombing in 1993. So I'd already dealt with terrorism. And everybody just went back to normal at that time. But I flipped mm-hmm. out about six months later and said, like, wait a minute. Um, but, but so I kind of had that, that anger, that hate, that, that rage then. And so the strangest part of this is when 9-11 happened or it happened the second time, I never felt that anger again, ever. Wow,
0: interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it is
2: interesting, because right? Because the truth is we went back into those towers knowing they were targets. You know, you hear people talk about the people that were in the bombing in '93 who never went back to work again. They changed jobs. Wow. You know, most people because of our ego and our in our culture, we think you know, and that gets into a lot of, of that touches on one of my pretty strong concepts, which will be in the second book I mentioned. There's the first book, then there's the second book, which is the macro study, which is our full my philosophy and theory that I've gained in the last 18 years of doing nothing but studying. 9-11, introspectively of my own behavior and introspectively of our culture's behavior and the world and how we have to look at it from so many different points of view and we won't heal from 9-11 or anything. We are, well, we're, we're very stuck right now because we haven't found the lesson in the experience. So that's the, yeah, point. Right. the introduction today was about introspection, yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Because yeah. that's where you're this
2: right. is 100% where the pivot is right now for all of us. All the listeners, you know, anybody in their life today, you know, if everybody's listening to the media and feeling afraid, well, turn it off (laughs) because it's not real. It's all fear is conjured, right? You and I know that. So the best, you know, your best defense is a good offense. Turn it off and take care of yourself. There's nothing you're learning there that you really need to know or that's really actually directly affecting your life, honestly. Yeah. Unless you're in those countries.
0: yeah, I'm telling you, we really need to develop the power to discern, which is one of the big powers in our teachings of Rajoga. And recently, John Stewart and others have been active in testifying before Congress. You must have at least heard a little bit about that. And of course. And they were looking at support of legislation to extend the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund. And it's been a lot of controversy, but in the House, it was voted 402 to 12. What are your thoughts about the need for this legislation? Because in Senate, Rand Paul had just voted it down. So how would you respond to those who questioned the need for this legislation at this time?
2: It's actually mind-boggling to me that there would be any negation of this at all. These are mm-hmm. people that have been touted as heroes that went into these, this fire, to this burning pile for months and months and months. And there was... You know, people didn't know about gas masks then. We'd never really dealt with anything close to this kind of toxicity. You know, we didn't know what we know now. And the fact is there's so much money being spent on other ways that to nickel and dime, which is what we're really talking about, this is a limited population of people that were in southern Manhattan or that were the, the, the rescue and recovery workers, the first responders, You know, they are literally riddled with cancer and emotional, you know, suicide rates are extremely high. You know, this is Mm -hmm. a very, very damaged population. And, you know, to turn their backs, it's like turning the backs on the soldiers in the Vietnam War. I mean, how can you do that? How can you do that? I wonder why you know.
0: I wonder even why they would I mean, I was just curious about why he and maybe a few others went the other way, like you know it's a time Lisa that I'm keep thinking how the greed factor for money or power or maybe the fear in your past being revealed in the public eye. Has stunted individuals from speaking up authentically and doing what we would say is the right thing, mm-hmm. and it's just a very unique time that we're observing the the strength of character in people nowadays. You see how it just makes sense to me and you, like it's a no-brainer. Right. You, you know, it's a no-brainer, right? So, what yeah. is in the heart of that soul that it's like no? Nope, You know, I need to do that. Like, what do you understand? This is what I love about your book. The light in 9-11, shocked by kindness and healed by love. Because you often speak about the supportive community. And it was a supportive community that you received. So I want us to talk about community because it's a very big part of healing. Because when certain powers are existing and they don't support you. Community is really important. So what was a community that was surrounding you to really help you on your journey of healing?
2: Well, 9-11 is one of these, mm, it's kind of the epitome of the biggest event and the rallying cry of a collective trauma, right? Because it was literally instantaneous across the country and everybody watched it on television in real time around the globe. And on top of that, we had CNN and Fox News competing for the 24-hour news population, being fed, feeding this remarkable news story that happened in front of all of us. So, so 9-11 became a community of global proportion for me. So I not only had my, my nucleus of my local community, which also showed up, showed up for me eight years later when I had breast cancer, but that wasn't a collective event. That was a one, like that's a one-off event that we each all have. And what people don't understand or what I didn't understand before was that we, are, we are so, feel so individual, right? We feel so separate from God when we've never actually separated from God. But that is our, our human condition, right? We feel separate from God. So when we're looking out at a, a potential trauma, uh, the death of a spouse, a cancer diagnosis, a sick child, We never imagine the love and kindness and care that's going to be flanking that situation. We can only see the negative because we don't trust our fellow man. We don't trust people to show up. And that's what was so amazing to me is people show up. However, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily in the order you think it's going to be. It's not necessarily your family. It's not necessarily your best friend's. It can be complete and total strangers that show up at the right time with the right message, care, word, whatever it is, and that is what sustained me all and still does all of these years later is because I had no expectations going in, so I didn't expect anything, and we were all shocked, right? So that to then see the goodness, the godness, as you mentioned in, before, and it's something I use all the time, the godness of 9-11, the godness of a trauma is the people that show up for you, the kindness, Mm -hmm. the prayers, the energetic showering of care that you get. And our job as each other, as the individual, because no one's getting out of this life without some of this, is to receive it. And if if you need to help me, right, because you see I'm in pain, you, because we are always connected, feel my pain. And you also know that there but for the grace of god it could be me next time so in sharing that pain i want to help you or you want to help me it's feeding our souls in a cycle if i don't let you help me then i block you from getting the soul food that you need so we're actually helping each other like that's what happened in the morning of 9-11. I had much, you know, God came in in many, many ways I, now, I know now. At the time, I was just trusting my intuition. I was just trusting my mother's instinct because I had three little kids. And I was standing in this very clear, heightened awareness. And I had this voice that said to me, Lisa, let them help you, which was the last thing I wanted. I was an alpha female from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I did <laughs> do it all. I didn't want anybody's help. You know, that was the last thing I wanted, but I had to surrender because it was the volume of it was just so great. And I could see how much they were hurting. I could see how much all the people around me were desperately hurting in pain, frantic. And the only thing I could do to help them was let them help me. So I had that lesson literally hit me in the head with a hammer. So I'm just sharing it with others because we think we're so stoic and that's our culture because we've never you know we haven't been in a humble graceful necessarily culture we've been accomplishing and achieving and innovating and being individuals with ego and we need to let go and surrender right. especially in these right. times
0: yes yes i agree with you on that fully i want to talk about the book uh, which i love thank you so much for writing it it's, it's actually my pleasure. <laughs> the, the first of the three books that you plan to publish what can we expect from the next two
2: so the next two, which I'm starting now probably uh, with the target to uh, launch it for the 20th anniversary of 9-11, so uh, September of 21, that it's – so that's the macro study. That's So my this study, the first book is, is my story, the micro study that is hopefully going to get people to know me and hopefully trust me that what I'm going to tell them next they can believe because I'm I'm giving – I'm very open, very raw, very – and that's who I am, right? You know me well. I'm very real. I, I'm not mm-hmm. smart enough to be political. I'm not, I'm not you know, gamey What's enough to play the game. So I'm just What's who I am. very real. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Maybe in my next life. But this life, I'm honest and I'm straight. And so in the first book, you're going to get my story and hopefully some inspiration because when you're in these pains, these traumatic experiences, you're open, right? Pain and shock opens you. And it's in that time of being open that God comes in, that you are able to receive, right? You're, it's like the clouds part and in it comes because, you know, you're literally rendered powerless in this remarkable way. So that's for all of us. And, that, and it's not necessarily a death that has to happen. A trauma can be, you know, just a series of unfortunate events that are just shaping your life. And, and the lesson is, to, is the light is to find the lesson in that. What are mm-hmm. you being shown? right? Not what, why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? What am I supposed to learn? So that's the first book. The second book will kind of talk more about that, but it gets more into things like national adolescence. Like, why were we so unprepared to handle 9-11 as a culture, and mm-hmm. where was all the wise counsel to get us through it? Well, if we're only 250 well, you know to 500 years old, how old are we, really, to
0: even have that with yeah. us? Can I jump in there because I remember yeah, our last conversation that we had on air. That was something that stuck out for me when you said that America was still such a young nation. It's not like the Eastern Corridor where you know it's been around for thousands of years. It's still a young nation. And so we're growing into being able to cope with these things at a more mature level. And can I tell you that I remember that and I thank you for that because it was very, very true.
2: Oh, I'm so glad, and I hope if these are. So, so, this is kind of where I sit right now. Is mm-hmm. in this conversation is about getting unstuck, because we can if we are a country of, of national adolescence, Right? What is an adolescent? An adolescent is a teenage mind that thinks it knows everything, that is handsome and young and strong, and has a whole world ahead of it, and that's that you know quarterback walking through the the high school hallways disregarding the, the, the people next to him just, you know, insensitively but not meaning to be because underneath is a very shattered, very shaky foundation of self.
1: We don't mm-hmm. really,
2: they, they're not really as confident as they look. And there's really no life experience for them to really be the leaders that they, they need to be, or that they perceive they are. And that's where we are. We live between two benign, ocean, two benign neighbors, Mexico and Canada, between two huge vast oceans. So we felt invincible. So we've had our first taste of terrorism, which, you know, Europe and the Middle East, the Far East has been dealing with forever. And they're much wiser because what do they know? They know given time, everything will be a new normal. Everything will be okay. And that's not what we have here. We have these storms. We had Hurricane Sandy here on the East Coast, same population affected with 9 11 was then the same population affected in 2008 with the crash of Wall Street. And then in 2012, the same population got Hurricane Sandy. And it was as devastating as if everybody had died. But in truth, it was really just stuff. And five Mm. years later, everything was rebuilt and beautiful and new.
0: Mm. What do you think at a mystical level are we learning from history? Are we learning from history because things seem to... Repeat themselves, Lisa, and is it, it is the repetition happening because there's always a generation of new souls descending and you know playing out their part and creating their fortune that things just have to occur uh, I, this might be a really, really deep question, but like what what do you think or, or is it just nature? Is it just the law of nature that things are just repeating? And we are just continuing on, you know, an- another day in the woods, you know. Om Shanti.
2: Yeah, Om Shanti. Yeah, but- uh, well, I think it's probably the way I think metaphysically we answer that is we're being shown things over and over until we learn them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? We're not going to stop seeing, we're not going to have gun control until somebody finally wakes up and gets, decides that all of these mass shootings really need to end. But we're not mm-hmm. learning from them. And, you know, and you, would, you would have thought with the, the Sandy Hook when they killed little kids that that would finally wake people up, and yet it hasn't. So I think that we're learning over and over from, you know, we're being shown these experiences as souls to learn. And then as far as nature, you know, this is a deep conversation because, you know, there are many who argue within the metaphysical world, you know, Earth is a living who is constantly evolving. Humans, we are always evolving. You know, right. and the truth is, we are still extraordinarily primal. We think we're so sage, but we're really reptilian. When, we are, when we're still battling and warring over how we call God, and the number one topic is still sex, how far
0: have we gotten? Right.
2: Right? But, but we're trying to be sage, and that is where we're evolving to. And I truly believe that the generation born after 1990 definitely born into the new energetic paradigm, the feminine paradigm, and the awakening that we're all witnessing with the breaking down of all the, the masculine systems, right, that, that the kids of today I have extraordinary faith in. Do they need wisdom? Yes. And I think we as an older population, anybody, you know, I'll say I'm, I'm going to be 59. My kids are now young adults, 18, 22, 25, I had them a little later, so, you know, I, the numbers don't you know, line up perfectly. But point being, <laughs> how can I be the most useful to this generation that has been raised in the technology age? So we're watching the demise of the industrial age and the awakening of the connected age. But we don't have any experience in that in our upbringing. We're scrambling to catch up. Mm-hmm. They are always going to be ahead of us because it's their natural evolution. So what do we as parents and grandparents offer? And my, my feeling is we need to be useful in the form of wisdom, meaning don't point your finger and say, oh, my gosh, that phone is terrible. Oh, my gosh, you just have your face in that screen. Oh, my gosh, the world is coming to an end. Oh, my gosh, nobody knows how to communicate. You know what? Because to them, their world isn't scary. That's mm-hmm. our fear and our judgment being shown. So are they going to listen to us? They might listen to us if we say instead, how do you communicate with your friends? What's it like having a relationship mm-hmm. through social media? What does that show look like to you? What do you think about your future? What do you see going on?
1: Mm-hmm. Until we,
2: we shift that conversation to be offensive, to be helpful, and not judgmental, but the new, this new generation, we just kind of have to get out of the way. But we right. do need to help right. them because your point is history is repeating itself. It will repeat itself. There's no new information, right? We know there is no new information. I actually just ordered a book about the 60s because part of this, my second book will have a breakdown of each of the decades in the 20th century. Right. And then you know, right. the third book, so that's going to explain the macro philosophies of kind of where we are as a culture and how we got here. And then the third book is really going to be about the beautiful future we can have when it becomes an enlightened, inspired future, a spiritual future, because that is the next evolution to intelligence. It is the next evolution to, right? We we can't max out our intelligence any more than we have when kids are getting straight A's and 1600s on a regular basis on the SAT and Wall Street is trading over 25,000 points. Have we not maxed out intelligence? You know, when, when physical fitness is, you know, you need to take steroids to compete in the Olympics. You need to take steroids to be a professional athlete. Have we not maxed out physical fitness? What is, right. this, what is this open, vast other third leg of the stool that we haven't even scratched the surface of? The right, right. brain, right. which everyone is, the feminine side, right? The sensory, the intuition
0: That's why I always uh, wonder that one of the things I feel we're in need of is inner silence because it baffles me that all the answers are there, lots of research is there, um, we have more resources than we've ever had historically, and we're still not able to be respectful to one another, and we're still not able to find our own inner place, our own inner contentment. You know, we're still having to just deal with small things that we make very, very large. And, you know, the algae that I always use, anger, lust, greed, attachment, and ego are still so prominent in our psyche. And I feel like if we practice inner silence, then we will see the algae surfacing and then we will decide, this is not who I am and this is not what I want to be. So I think that whole notion of really making the shift within has to be a practice of inner silence in order for us to really see ourselves. And that's something that I've been looking into. Um, I met with a, a campaign presidential advisor uh, the other day. He came over for lunch at the ashram. It was the first time he'd ever been in such a peaceful space compared to his political world of working with so many presidents over time. And one of the things I just suggested, remember our traffic control, Lisa, the pause every hour on the hour? Yes, oh, just I love for those that. Few, just for the use of a few moments of silence and reflection and peace for the world. He stayed with me for about three hours in the house, and he had to pause three times in the midst of our conversations. And he says this was just so profound. And I said if we can bring this pause in the detention camps where there are holding all of those uh, immigrants or individuals that have come over for freedom in America. And every hour they pause and maybe have like a scripture or something, just a spoken word over the sound system just for them to find peace. And the second thing, let them start praying. Nobody's going to hurt praying people. No. and it just seemed that simple to him and that's what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say so they're planning to introduce that now as we speak that oh, i feel like the, the solution the solution is just so simple but i think we're so caught up in the noise and what you said you know after watching the news and all this negative stuff that they're feeding us you're not it's not doing anything for you turn it off and listen to you, find what you need to be doing with you. And I suspect you did that, and it led you even to starting a business called Cosmina, which is an enlightened living, well, Cosmina Enlightened Living, which I love your shawls, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I'd love for you to share a little bit about uh, the vision of Cosmina, its story and um, its mission, and why did you start it?
2: Wow, um, can, I would love to, I want to talk about Kosmina, but can we just circle back on what you just said about stillness? Okay. Because I believe, first of all, knowing you and the brothers and sisters of the Brahma Kamari, you have brought the very organized aspect of stillness of the soul to me. If you can bring that to our leadership and to the detention centers, those moments, um, that traffic control is profound, is the only word. I love it when I'm with you. And I would love to, mm-hmm. prog- we should have a program through, you know, the radio, through uh, Pandora or whatever, just traffic control. I mean, because mm-hmm. everybody could do that through their, their house sound systems. Um, mm-hmm. But one of the things I've thought about recently and in this I, concept of getting unstuck is that what is the countermand to technology? It's stillness. And when I speak to kids, when I, my, real, my concentration, I really like to spend my time with young adults and try to be a voice of wisdom in the chaos for them. That, you know, if you are going to, the adult population right now is watching television, is immersed in 18 years of foundational cellular fear from 9-11. Mm-hmm. Whether anybody really consciously remembers why they're so afraid, I don't believe they do. I think we've got... 18 years behind us now where nobody's really been focusing on what the trigger is, right? You you opened your show today with being triggered, with what is the trigger? What is, what is the root cause of your behavior? Why did you slip those two times this year? You know, and that's really what it comes down to. If we don't have any introspection, we can't figure out what our motivation is, what's causing mm-hmm. the problem. We can put Band-Aids on the problem, you know, we can to point our fingers at each other and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're... Well, we've got to turn around and look inward before we're going to solve any of this. But the kids of today, my point to them is, listen, the adult population is where it is based on our history, and it's spinning. It's spinning like a top, and it has been for a long time. If you want your world to look different 20 years from now, you are going to have to start to manage up. You are going to have to be the ones that become in control of your lives. We as wise counsel to you can show you the benefit of that. Just like I can say to you, we know when trauma comes, right, we can trust the fact that not only is there going to be pain, there's going to be grace and light and beauty that comes in the form of kindness of strangers. We know that. Now we can trust that. So our kids of today have to look at their parents and say, wait a minute, you've raised me to be these individuals to not be extensions of you. I, I, you know, my generation planted the kids in the ground. We watered them, fed them, and let them grow into who they are. We can't turn around now and tell them they're wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We created them because right. they are what we right. need next.
0: Right. So exactly. we can't
2: decide it's not like us and we're scared of their future because we just, you know, we need to be in control. The truth is we all have to let go.
0: Of course, of course. And is that what you did when you started Cosmina?
2: So, Cosmina Sorry, yes. So, no. <laughs> was part of it. We've gone forever. Was yeah. part of this enlightened download that came through as a brand of kindness. Because I'm a salesperson, so I spent four years digging through all the psychology of my family members, my husband's family, my life, my whole thing that was had gotten me into this twisted, twisted, crazy place. As my therapist would say, your life provides you grist for the therapy mill. And I will say that what you do is you grind up your life experiences and you gain the flower of insight. It is, there's nothing more fascinating than studying your life. Mm-hmm. There is no shame in it. It is we need to turn around the whole concept of mental health because it, takes the, it is the ultimate courage to lie on a couch and, and out yourself and all your behaviors. But until you do that, the introspection won't be complete. And the gain you get is exponential. It's crazy. So, no, is the outcome of four years of analysis in which I popped through the ceiling to mental health. And when I did that, I would say to my therapist, how am I going to know? Like, does a bell go off? Did they notify you by mail? Like, what happens when you achieve mental health? And she would say to me, you are going to get the most mind-blowing rush of creative energy like nothing you have ever known. I thought, wow, like that, I want that so badly. I'll do anything. When I popped through, in came this understanding of how we can change the world. And I sat up, bolt upright on that couch, and I said, oh, my gosh, all we have to do is be nice. We just have to be nice. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And that
2: came out of my lifetime of no one ever being nice to me until 9-11.
0: <laughs> Seriously,
2: my, nobody was nice to me ever. family community i didn't have that even though to the outside world it looked great and that's where we all have to understand that you scratch the surface of anyone's life and they're carrying most likely a pretty enormous burden and for the most part they do it with, with grace and and they make it look good but the truth is underneath almost all of us are really hurting and we're hurting because we didn't get the attention we didn't we were not heard or seen in the way that we needed to be so it creates this inner dysfunction, right, that inner voice, those thoughts that you're talking about. Thoughts are just thoughts. They're not real. But we attach ourselves to the ones. And if you're a child and you're not getting fed the right information, you are going to attach to the wrong information. Because children are brilliant. Yeah. And they're pure.
0: And yes. they're, they're yes.
2: just so tuned in to everything around them. But they can't articulate it, right? They don't know. They're just living it. So that's why childhood at 0 to 18 is so critical. Because when you think about it, after 21, your life is really in decades, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. But those years, 1 through 18, you can remember specific individual experiences year by year because you're wired differently, right? But Mm -hmm. back to Cosmina. So Cosmina came in, and I was like, oh, my God, all we have to do is be nice. And then my (laughs) next thought was, wait a minute who is taking care of mothers? Who is taking care of the caregiver? Or who is taking care of women? Because women are the, are the foundational caregivers, right? Of course, there's men, and, and f- full respect to all the men out there that have joined the caregiving group. But for the most <laughs> part, until the last you know, 30 years, it was women. Mm-hmm. And doing everything for everyone but themselves. So it's bringing in that balance. So that's what Cozmina, so I started knitting these shawls. For all the women that took care of me, and I knit them as big metaphoric hugs. That when they put them on, they would not only be wrapped and cozy and held in this amazing warmth and comfort and love, but they would look stunningly beautiful. And right. to a person, they do. And you have one. And
0: Sister Gita, Gita has, has one.
2: Has one, she and she has it. you know a really special one, as special as she yeah. is. And yours is, yeah. of course, you know, white and sexy and. You know, it is, and they're made with love, and each one made individually specifically for that person. And so I started selling a a kit to make those and teaching knitting as a functional meditation that you could take with you into a ball game if you're a mom sitting on the sidelines. And you can knit and watch your child so you're taking care of yourself as you're taking care of others. Because tactile Mm -hmm. touch, knitting, working with clay, working with wood, any kind of craft that requires fingertip touch, painting piano strumming guitar patting a dog it all soothes your central nervous system so it calms it's you down so
0: true yeah it's yeah. so true yeah, so cosmina beautiful.
2: is yeah so that's that's kind of the tactical side of cosmina so it's a philosophical brand which all then takes you out to what we're talking about so when i talk about living a cosmina lifestyle or an enlightened life it's when you're living in the moment with gratitude, humility, and grace, where there's no judgment or criticism of yourself or others, and kindness is the golden rule. Beautiful. So it takes, so it's almost, so I really look at it as the 21st century version of God, which mm. is going like to be a higher power. Right. It's, the energetic, it's the energetic realm. It's all of us that aren't in our physical form. You know, I while we're it. there on the other side, until we come back to do this again.
0: I, I, love I love your you. story it's, it's so much. So fun. <laughs> you know what? I'm not saying that you are you are like Brene Brown, but I really see you really being a voice of strength and inspiration and power for so many, um, because the way you communicate and and the energy that you bring into your communication for me speaks volumes to an audience of individuals who really want to hear it raw and real and are really ready to step into that. And I really want you to consider really moving more in that direction. I know you are already, but even more and more, I just think there's something so profound about your messaging and just your whole life in in just your life period. I'm in a movie coming up uh, produced by Bill Bennett and Bill is doing a movie on fear because it's the, a very big narrative in the world today. And as we come to a close, uh, I'd love if you could briefly share, you know, the issue of fear and fear-mongering has been coming up so much, right? How would you explain fear and the foundation of fear, and how can we turn that fear around? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, fear, my, my understanding of fear is that it is not real. It is a conjured mm-hmm. aspect of our unbridled, intelligent mind. We have not learned to control our minds and the only way we control our minds is through meditation and stillness. Pretty simple, right? What you teach and practice. Mm-hmm. So, fear of, so fear comes from anxiety about the future or regret about the past. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. And it's listening to outside of yourself. It's going outside of yourself for validation, outside of yourself for information. And that's why it's our time to turn inward. And we look for our love outside of ourselves. We look for everything we need when everything we have and we need is deep inside here. We need to look mm-hmm. no further. And until, and so the self-love, it wasn't until I understood what self-love actually meant, and for me it was about three years ago, that I realized that self-love meant loving my bad self, my bad stuff more than my good stuff.
1: Hmm.
2: Because that's where... My, that's how I'm interesting, right? That's how I'm challenged in the world. That's what's bringing my experience. It's easy to be good. It's the mm-hmm. hard stuff that makes us great, right? It's that stuff that right. challenges us, and that's how we're being challenged in the contrast to learn in this life. So
0: fear, it's just
2: a big fat waste of time. And yeah, that's exactly what I told
0: Bill. That's exactly <laughs> what I told him. Fear. He, he uh, asked me, Sister Jenna, what is fear? I go, waste of your time. And it was just like, what? <laughs> we both said the same answer. It's so true. Yeah. Well, I think, you right. know, your study,
2: you've studied this your lifetime and, and yeah. just an incredible life of yours, and we need you to lead us. And we need leadership. We need, and then the question, you know, the country is just so insane right now in all the vilification. Yeah. And how are we going to yeah. countermand vilification? We have to do it with love. But love yeah. is quiet. Right, love mm-hmm. but it's a compound polite. effect we have to love consistently every day starting yes. with ourselves we have to love ourselves give ourselves a break stop criticizing ourselves there's no one that knows what we need better than us no yes. one can know how you feel no one can know what you need except you so why yes. are you looking to other people for that information
0: yes exactly Exactly, Hard I agree to practice, with you.
2: Though I'm not saying this is easy. It is definitely but it's a, a, a challenge, but it's a practice, yeah. like like and it's all things that are good.
0: Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and we're getting there. We're getting there. I think it's more important that we celebrate our small victories rather than the final big one that we thought was going to be really grand. I just think that, isn't that the truth. We not that the truth? Yeah. Is there
2: really a big yeah. grand? Is it even yeah. out there? You know, isn't Nuh-uh. it the the, the joy is in the daily life of watching yes. it unfold. Right? Of being exactly. in this, this beautiful moment because you're in the moment and you're just observing as things come through and, and we surrender to the things that are pushing, you know, we push back against with our personalities. And the minute we surrender and we allow it, it takes us where we need to go.
0: So exactly. It's
2: just the coolest thing, you know?
0: Exactly. I wish Everyone could have it. I think they will one day if they just pay attention to the everyday moment, as you said. And just to yeah. celebrate their small little victories. Well, look, I would love to continue. I can't wait to have you at the Meditation Museum for I featuring the book, 9-11. Yes. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yes. And leave us with a website where we can find more information about you and your work. And looking oh. forward to us connecting really soon.
2: Absolutely great. I, the website, most current website, is com, which is my author website. And there's an excerpt from the book, and there's a bio, and... Some Ted, the TED Talk and some media stuff. Uh, Lisa, L-I-S-A-L-U-C-K-E-T-T dot com. And Cosmina is spelled C-O-Z-M-E-E-N-A dot com. Um, but I want to just say it was three years ago, pretty much today, when I started this entire campaign because of you. Mm. And it was at a time when I wanted to see if the world could handle looking at 9-11 in a new way. And the prompt that, that got Antonia to reach out to me in the first place through Jackie Jordan in California was, <laughs> can we see 9-11 in a new light? Maybe it opens mm-hmm. our world.
0: Wow. Well, I'm so happy so to be a tiny with you. part. Thank you, You're sweetie. a big
2: part. You're a big part. Thank and thank you me. for the compliment about Bre- Brene Brown. I, I think if people ask me what I, they should do, I say just read Brene Brown. <laughs> she's <laughs> awesome
0: <laughs> so. see beautiful all right so yeah. we oh, thank okay? you yes yeah, so I'll see you
2: soon thank you to everyone for listening and have a beautiful beautiful rest of the summer
0: lovely bye 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 that was Lisa Luckett everyone isn't her spur just dynamite d- dynamite. it's just a this- it's this beauty about just her truthfulness that comes really straight through. I hope you did enjoy our conversation together. So if you want more information, just go to Lisa Luckett, that's with two T's at the end, or go to um, her other site featuring the shawls, Cosmina at C O Z M E E N A dot com. You're going to love those shawls, by the way. It's a real, it's a whole community of. of beauty in the making so as we end our show every day remember no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission and we really are here to love each other the same and since we talked a lot about love today i would like to play a song by one of our friends paul leftenegger and it's called it's only love and please, if you're in the nation's capital on August 10th, join us on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial as Reverend Sylvia Sumter organizes Stand Up for Humanity, which will feature a host of us, um, including presidential candidate Marianne Williamson, Ambassador Musi, Paul Leffenegger will be there, myself, um, just a host of really incredible, beautiful people to put more light into our world. Take care, everyone.